And here is your host, Dr. Tony Beam. Dr. Tony Beam is still in Washington, D.C. It is 47 degrees right now in the upstate of South Carolina. Dave Wilson, Justin Hall, Mitch Prosser. He hasn't made it back yet. He has not made it back yet, but he is. <laughs> I hope not Tony Beam is down, cranking it up he's walking, Washington. He's walking down the Jefferson Avenue. He's walking. Are you Pennsylvania me? Avenue. I was about to say, it's Dr. Tony Beam. He's walking down to 1600 Pennsylvania he Avenue. Is, he's he's going to let Joe Biden know what's going on. He is, because that would be what Tony take, Beam does. The president's still sleeping. Okay. Well, actually, no. The president's on an interesting sleep schedule. He's actually awake right now, but he he it's eight o- it's eight o five according to my watch that was produced by Tim Cook. Eight o five, which means he's got nap time in twenty seven. Matlock reruns are already on. No, Matlock doesn't air until eleven. Mitch. Matlock airs Sorry. at eleven. And then occasionally he might catch a rerun of like Blue Bloods or something. But he doesn't, it's, that's too fast paced for him. He can't yeah. quite get there with that. I will say, you know, uh, the, the weather. Sorry, uh, Uncle Joe. The weather update, uh, that's, that's, that's pops to you. Pops. Um, corn pop sworn, corn pops. pop sworn em- he is, enemy. He is corn pop sworn nemesis. Um, there was a leak, guys. You remember this is Pro Life Weekend. Dr. Tony Beam is up in Washington. Yes, he is. And do we remember what happened in April of twenty twenty one? Twenty twenty two. So yeah, so back in April of this of twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two, yeah. So it the the leaked version of the Alito yes. uh Dobbs decision on Dobbs comes out. Just his. Just his. Just his. Is just his is like, no, and we assume else we're like, is. oh, he might be the lead. Dra- he might be the lead author of the opinion. Hmm. So, so let's explain how the Supreme Court does what they do. Okay, so they hear a case. It's a two-hour discussion. Each side gets about 45, 45 minutes to, to give their case, and then there's Q and A time where the justices from the bench ask questions of the lawyers who are presenting the case. Two hours in, out, done. Then you have all of these what they call uh, friends of the court briefs that they amicus can read through, briefs. amicus briefs that they can read through, and they get their viewpoints. You know, other people bring their viewpoints to the Correct. table. Correct. And then the justices go into the conference room, so to speak, <laughs> and the nine of them sit there and they argue the points back and forth. And then the from that, I would love to be a fly on that yeah. wall. And then the chief justice assigns, based upon how they decide to group themselves, assigns those who are going to write the majority and the minority opinion. Mm-hmm. They start drafting that up. It's a long process because, keep in mind, the Dobbs case was heard December 1st of 2021. The leaked draft of the Alito decision does not come out until April of 2022. So it takes a while for this to get written. Okay. Meanwhile, those who are opposed to the majority position begin to write their response as well. When that happens, then they they all come out at one particular time. That's what happened on June 24th of last year when the Dobbs decision came out. It was a 6-3 decision. Right. Justice Thomas wanted to go a little bit further than Justice Alito went. Okay, so he wrote a kind of separate concurring opinion. But the majority opinion came out almost exactly in the way it came out in its final form in the draft form that came out in April. And once that draft was leaked, Chief Justice John Roberts said, we're going to find out who leaked this. (laughs) Spoiler, we already know who leaked it. But 
We're going to run through the ringer and try to find. We're going to secure the integrity of the court. This from the New York Times. You're trusting the New York Times? Yes, I'll, trust, York, I'll trust the New York Times on this. The, the, all the news is fit to print. January 19th, okay. Democracy Dies in Darkness, Dave. Yes, yes. Is that I the know. New York Times? Or is that? That's the Washington Post. Okay. Just the Supreme Court. Same thing. The Supreme, yeah. The Supreme Court announced on Thursday that an internal investigation has failed to identify mm. who leaked a draft of the opinion overturning Roe v. Wade. Not a draft of the opinion of the Dobbs decision, but the draft of the opinion overturning Roe v. Wade. <clears throat> uh, it was a 20-page report. The court's marshal, Gail A. Curley. Um, conducted 126 formal interviews of 97 employees, all of whom had denied being the source of the leak. Well, that's that's thorough. Well, that's it, super thorough, guys. Wait, real quick, did you talk to any of the justices? Well, but if there you is, ask them, there is that. There is I mean, that because, side of it. There's because Sonia Sotomayor be, definitely probably leaked it. <laughs> if you ask them and they say no, well then they didn't do they, it. They said Scout's honor, Mitch. <laughs> Hashtag Scouts Honor. They said, they said, is that Scouts two or three fingers? And, and I then, don't know. And then you ready for this one? Yes. One of Kavanaugh's clerks said, Cross my heart, hope to die, <laughs> stick a pinky in my eye. And that's when I knew. Oh, yeah. We're no safe. No way he leaked it. <laughs> We're safe. No way he leaked it. Here's the problem with this. That's big. Here's the problem with this. There's a problem with this? <laughs> Shocking. Okay. Imagine that. We, we, we cannot, we, we refuse to find the source of a leak that led. To Supreme Court justices being harassed outside of their homes, including a man who went to Brett Kavanaugh's house with the actual intent to murder him. To murder yes. him. And his family. Alito had to be removed from his home. And yet, well, we interviewed everybody and well, no one no one said they did it. So I guess that's like you go in you go into the kitchen and and your fa- your wife's favorite vase is broken, and your kids are assumed to have done it. And you ask each <laughs> one of them, for you, Dave, it's all 12 of them. For you, 13, 10, 10. Sorry. 12? 12? Dad 10. My, 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 my children by marriage were not be ones to break vases. That's fair. So 10. Especially fair. my daughter-in-law. She's so very 10. particular. That so way. 10. Yes. <laughs> you go in there and you say, now, kids... Did you did you break the vase? No. Did you break the vase? Oh. Did you knock your kids sound weird? Did Johnny you knock, did it. Did you knock the vase over? No. And all of them say no. As a dad, you go, well, <laughs> how many how many people I did guess you it was the dog? How many people did you say they asked? <clears throat> uh, investigators conducted 126 formal interviews of 97 employees. Oh, for several all... employees acknowledged that they had told their spouse or partners about the draft opinion. Mm. Oh. And the vote count and the vote count. Well, I'm just going to say this. To those 97 employees in the 126 interviews that they did, silence is violence. Uh-huh. That's yeah, good. That's, so that's good. Silence is violence. So we don't know who leaked the draft opinion. Not that it matters too much in the grand scheme. I mean, the court's lost credibility anyway. <laughs> but we should just add more justices, right? I think we if should. we have 13 justices, it would make everything 27. better. 27. I think we should go ahead and add Puerto Rico as a state, too. We should just go ahead and make it a new legislative body. And well, have... that's that's the South Carolina Supreme Court. Oh, that's so Careful. true. We only have five. Reggie is on the line for us on the call-in this morning. Reggie, good morning. Welcome to Christian Worldview. Uh, good, uh, good morning, guys. I'm going, I'm going to answer all the world's problems. <laughs> oh, Why have you waited until 8-12? My gracious, Reggie. It's taking <laughs> shoot, you long enough to get shoot here. Shoot straight, Reggie. What you got? Hey. 
How long has it been since we've had a mean tweet? Ooh. Oh. And dollar fifty gas? Well, I don't know. He, he did. He did mean. He did mean truth. truth. He does truth. So he did now. mean truth the other day and blame every Christian for the fact that we did not yeah. have a red wave. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, okay. I'm so I'm so convicted. I know you are. Thanks, it's all your fault, thanks, Reggie. Reggie, for for taking all the blame on that one. We appreciate that one today. No, seriously, what, what else you got? <laughs> I guess Reggie's that was gone. About it. Reggie's gone. And and Reggie but Reggie's does, right. Reggie does have a point. Uh, under the previous administration, I mean, we got mean tweets and 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 President Trump has said some things in the last couple of days that would make you wonder. You know, we we talked about it on the podcast, and I think you guys talked about it a little bit yesterday about where he is right now with Christian voters, and you know, it's it's the same old rehearsed lines that we've heard over and over again from both the left and the right. Where are the Christians? And and I hope if you're listening right now, you understand that you're more than a, a voting block. You are more than just some number to be counted on a demographic spreadsheet or a slate list or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. You are a valued member of the electorate, and your opinion and voice must be heard. You've got right. to speak up. You've got to speak your truth, your uh, the truth, not your your truth, the truth. So, speaking of of truth, and I, and I want to get to one other thing that that might be a little less a uh, little bit less heavy hitting. Um, <laughs> we talked yesterday about uh, briefly about Russell Fry. Congressman from the seventh, yes, in South Carolina, being uh, selected for the House Judiciary Committee and the House Oversight Committee. There's another. There's somebody who won't be on the House Intel Committee anymore. <laughs> who will not be on the House Intel Committee? There, no. friend of Fang Fang, um, Eric Swalwell, though, oh. Democrat out of California. He's been receiving some threats from whom? Corn pop. <laughs> no, seriously, no. what's with the corn pop? So during an interview with M- during podcast. during an interview with MSNBC, Swalwell claimed that McCarthy is removing him from his committee assignments because of political vengeance. Oh, uh, obviously we all know what has been alleged by the FBI with the Chinese spy Fang Fang and Eric Swalwell back in 2014 became public in 2020. Swalwell has had a relationship with a Chinese spy while being on the House Intel, Intel Committee. committee. That's that the- se- Pillow talk stuff that we that hear seems about. to be bad. Yeah. That yeah, seems maybe. to be a bad thing. Apparently, it, if you it, trade, it is secrets, a, is a making a really good spy movie. Th- that's called like tr- treason. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we can't right. use that word because then you actually have to be executed if you're found uh, guilty. Yeah, and that, and that might be what's causing this because Ooh. quote it inspires death threats. <laughs> well, <laughs> people people parrot what Kevin McCarthy is saying when they call him make threats. Is Swalwell's alleging that people also have said they want to, um, we'll just leave it at kill us children. That's awful. I won't and list what th- else th- they say. No matter whether he's traded secrets with the Chinese or not, leave his children out of this. My <clears throat> right. goodness. Yeah, this, they're going to And they're going to remove him for assignments. They're going to remove him from these, and that's that's perfectly fine, well, and good. I mean, if you are, you know, in a relationship with a Chinese spy while being on the intel committee— Probably not the place for you uh, is the House Intel Committee. It is great to be with you guys this morning. Tony Beam is in the almost southern, you know, temperatures of 40 degrees in Washington, D.C. for the National Right to Life March for Life. Is he feeling the power of love? I am feeling the power of love this morning. For those of you who are watching on Facebook, it is great to have you this morning. 
this show happens because of folks like you who take the time to listen to to uh, be a part of what's going on. And one of our regulars, uh, we would love to welcome to the show one of our callers, Gene. You are on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for the recognition. Absolutely. You guys are moving at a, at a very rapid pace. We're, we try our best. To, this is like, you know, calisthenics. This is like going to the gym in the morning. This for is us. your mental well, exercise. Man, right, man alive. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm about to have a brain hemorrhage here. No, Gene, don't do it, Gene. Some of this Just, information. We'll, we'll slow it down. Uh, or uh, the conversation. Yes. But anyway, uh, given that we've moved five topics over from what I had thought I was going to discuss with you or bring up your Bring us back. Bring us back. Rewind for you. Yes. We love good callbacks. The, uh, the Chinese uh, with Smallwell, uh, I think, don't gloss over the fact that, that this is very, very pervasive here in America. Uh, our major universities are under uh, a great deal of Chinese influence. I'm sure you're aware of that. You, you do know that uh, uh, when Trump was president, he wanted a, uh, he sought an investigation and had uh, the uh, um, attorney general's office investigate the University of Pennsylvania for their uh, collusion, if you will, uh, of Chinese influence and money uh, with the administration there. Then when uh, Biden became president, and uh, uh, that that was immediately terminated because the uh, university officials wrote letters to uh, 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 the attorney general uh, claiming that this is uh, Trump racism. Uh, by the way, Trump is not a racist. <laughs> I mean, that's a fact. Uh, look, and you look at people who say he's employed in his inner circle. There's no racism there. Uh, and uh, this, so now what you have, that what is divulged now is that apparently uh, Penn and the uh, University of Pennsylvania and, uh, uh, and Biden had a, uh, uh, some institute, uh, one of these fraudulent institutes that were formed, uh, the, mm-hmm. the uh, yeah. Biden-Penn Institute for, for Iowa Iowa affairs. A, a place for, for, uh, a place for uh, us to stash all of for, our, uh, stash documents uh, and stuff, yeah. Next so, to a Corvette. and I can tell you from my own personal experience, I was a research scientist, uh, and back in the mid '90s or the late '90s, something I, I noticed happened in a lot of our research labs, both academic and in, and in the industry. There was an increasing number of, of Chinese scientists and technicians, and these were not ABCs. You know ABC? What's yeah. ABC? American-born Chinese. Right. Yeah. Well, these were not ABCs. These were these were folks who came from Peking, uh, and I could remember their absolute uh, outrage uh, with the uh, uh, Clinton uh, impeachment trials. And I, uh, being a born again Christian, a baby born again Christian back then, was very very upfront with these guys, and I said no. Uh, we're following the law, and they were very upset with me, quite upset. Mm. Uh, Especially people and, who do uh, not understand the American system. And a lot of my system. colleagues uh, would be, uh, as they walked around, the, uh, the scientists, they were very, very quiet. In other words, they were afraid. And, you know, you, you back down in the face of tyranny, what happens? Gene, thanks for your call. That's yeah. a lot of good stuff there. A and, lot and, unpacked, And, and, and sure. the reality is we have seen the influence of the Chinese coming through more and more and more. As a matter of fact, da- Davos is happening right yes. now. Yeah, and Gene, to your to your first point that we've moved quite a bit, you can now consider yourself a, a, a culprit in that because you have moved us to our next topic. Exactly. Thank you, which, Gene. Which, which, which is well done, uh, by the way. I love a good segue um, and not just the little scooter. Uh, China's vice premier, mm, Liu He, 
good yeah, shot. Good, good try. Good, good try. It's good. Uh, I don't. From in Davos, Davos again. If you're unfamiliar, the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab met are meeting in Davos, Switzerland, to <clears throat> tell us how to do things and to tell us how the world should be run according to them. Lose pitch to global leaders. <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, gathered in Davos, made it clear China wants international investors to play a key role. In Beijing's attempt to revive its slowing economy. We talked about this yesterday, Dave. Right. China's <clears throat> population, uh, they're not reproducing at a high yeah. enough rate. They're getting older. They're not filling the uh, economic needs that they need. One thing that Liu Hu mentioned, um, he mentioned strengthening international cooperation and maintaining world peace 11 times. World peace. Sounds like times. Miss Universe. Um, he's sitting what down, of course, with a bunch of different people for the Weeman. Yes. it It's interesting. It, he gets up there, and he received a rock star ovation. Like, ovations that should be saved for people of import. And what I'm finding interesting is, he also said that the COVID-19 pandemic mm. opened our eyes to the need for greater cooperation to fight climate change totally because those two are intrinsically linked right uh, covid and climate change i don't remember i don't remember wow. climate change being the reason that a that a disease escaped from a lab um but what i do know Woo-hun. what Sorry. i do, what i do know is that at this world economic forum what we're seeing is a, an attempted reestablishment of the world order. And no, I will stop short of saying a new world order. Although they're not stopping short of it, they're saying it. They'll say it all the time. Uh, they, it, that's it the title of their one of their videos on YouTube, A New World Order. And then when someone posted that, YouTube got mad and said there's no mention of a new world order. Um, you have members of our own Congress, U.S. Senators, House Representatives, going to Davos along with Al, Al Gore and um, others, John Kerry, another one, trying to establish the need for China to be the biggest influence on global affairs, which is interesting because we're, we also have our attention divided with Russia and Ukraine as well. So it's interesting to see these world leaders, these world thought leaders who are, and I'm quoting you, the select few of us, who get the privilege of working to create a better world. I'm quoting John Kerry. Well, what we do see coming out of this is that, and, and we, we were talking about this a little bit earlier in, in the morning, um, how the U.S. is continually racking up its national debt. Insolvency is right around the corner. The debt ceiling is at an all-time high, and people are encouraging the House House Speaker now to raise that once again, and he's saying we've got to back that down. We've got to slow that down. Ultimately, one of our largest creditors is the Chinese government, and all of that you know comes to a head in. You know, we we hear things all the time about well, you know, a nation's wealth is known by its debt. I think it was our president when he was the vice president that said something along those lines. How crazy and absurd that is! All of this comes to a head in 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 finance, World Economic Forum, all that in Davos. It's concerning, it's alarming, and you better pay attention to it. You know, things are definitely going to be warming up as we get further and further into our legislative calendar. This 
now going to be wrapping up week two as of yesterday. Joining us on the phone this morning, the great senator from the county of Spartanburg, our friend, Senator Josh Kimbrell. Good morning, Senator. Good morning, sir. How are you? It's like the three of y'all over there took over the studio. It's got to be crowded. I used to... Work you used to sit. You used to be at this you. seat. It's a little snug. Dude, we're Mitch is stuck in the middle, and you mm-hmm. know it's great. Gary's got all this space over there on the far side. You know he's all good. But you know what it's like around here. Well, I'm actually. I just realized I I'm sitting behind your old mic. Wow, that's a change of place. Well, I can't. I can't. I can't see you. I'm not sure which one you're behind. Oh. But okay, that's, I'll just take your word. Thanks, man. Anyway, Senator Kimberly. Good you know, morning. It has been a. It, you've had a busy week of things that have been going on, but yesterday was a long, drawn out day. What's going on in the South Carolina Senate right now? Well, I think the most important thing is we've managed to defeat judicial activism on the new court appointment. I think that's probably. If we do nothing else this year, I'm pretty happy about that. I mean, I, that was a hard fight. I was deep in the thick of that, and uh, we have we've managed to ensure now that the new the new Supreme Court judge will be a conservative, uh, a strict constructionist, not a liberal activist. And I'm really encouraged by that. So that, that let's just make sure that gets through the House on February 1st. It looks like we're going to put Gary Hill of Greenville on the Supreme Court, and that'll be a three to two conservative majority instead of three to two liberal majority. And that paves the way next year for us to make John Kittredge the chief justice and and finally stop legislating from the bench. We might actually see what happens when you have conservative legislation like the heartbeat uh, law go into effect because maybe we can get the court out of being a super legislature. So I'm encouraged by that. That was the, the greatest victory of the first two weeks of the 2023 session in, uh, in my view. So a lot of these reporters that are out there right now, we were talking about reporters and how they're basically trying to silence the Christian voice in here. They're turning around and making arguments about, well, you're, you're changing the, the look and the makeup of the court. Don't we need to be having a court that's less about what race or gender you are and more about your, your philosophy towards looking at the Constitution? You know, it's funny because I do have a good relationship with the media. I talk to our media friends a lot. I do a lot of interviews and stuff, but... And so I, so I don't mean this with any hatefulness because I have a decent relationship. But I will tell you, it's almost like they all get the same email. Hmm. Because I did, I, did, I did two different e- uh, interviews on TV, different radio, TV stations the uh, day before yesterday about this. I did a couple of radio interviews as well uh, a couple of days ago. And a very busy media day whenever we were able to con- definitively say that we were down to having Gary Hill be on the court. And every one of those articles that was written about the interviews I gave talked about the male, the, the total male makeup of the Supreme Court. I thought, how interesting. Yeah. Across geographic regions, across different rates of TV and radio stations, the narrative was pretty much the same. And, and I, I, that's what I said. I answered it that way. I said, look, I don't care if the Supreme Court's made up of all females or all males. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's all black, all white, or all Hispanic. I don't care about any of that. I care about ideology. And if we had had a conservative woman in the race, a strict constructionist in the race, I'd have supported them. There were several candidates for the circuit court who are female that I intend to support in these upcoming judicial elections. There are numerous women who I would love to see on the high court in South Carolina, uh, including uh, including a judge from Spartanburg I have great respect for. So it's not about race or gender, it's about ideology. And unfortunately, the two women who were on the final slate uh, for the Supreme Court, were activists who I think would be would undermine the rule of law. So I, ultimately, we have to push back against that narrative, and that's what the left does. I mean, let's be completely honest about it. Including some of the left-leaning members of our own legislature, they're going to put out a couple of women and a couple in, in this particular race, the two women candidates, which would it would have been nice to replace a, a woman retiring from the court with a woman uh, justice. I I would agree with that. 
But the two women that they gave us were, were activists. And the one conservative was a guy, and I think it was intentionally set up that way. It's like, okay, well, they're going to have to vote for one of the women so we can get another judicial activist. If they had nominated a conservative woman from the Judicial Merit Election Committee, she would have won. And uh, they didn't do that, so I, I'm, I'm pushing back against that narrative. I think it's a false narrative. It's misleading. It's a red herring. And in that particular case, we also have to keep in mind, you and as members of the legislature did nothing to tell the two women who were nominees to drop out. They chose to take their names out of contention in this. I mean, they may be able to, to, to look at the vote count themselves and go, you know what, I don't have the votes, I'm going to drop out. But nobody in the legislature, you've not had a vote on this yet. And that's a point that, that very few people have taken the, the time to talk about is the fact that they chose to leave the ballot themselves and it was not a vote of the legislature to do so. Well, that, yeah, that's true and not true. I mean, so you're right. When none of us said, hey, you need to drop out, they do that on their own accord. However, it is longstanding tradition in judicial elections in this state. If you know you're going to get, uh, you're going to fall short, you, you typically withdraw. That's just what typically happens so that you can live to fight another day and get another chance at an appointment. So, I mean, I think the math was there. I think both Judge Conduras and Judge Renato uh, made the right decision there. They could, they could count. I could count. I mean, I had been working very hard last week and this week to make sure the count went the way that it did. And we, we felt very comfortable by Tuesday that we had a strong majority for, for Judge Hill, and I, I think that they knew that too, and that was the right decision on their part. So, you know, you're right. No, 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 no one said you had to drop out. But, I mean, the, the longstanding tradition is if you don't have the votes, you do drop out. That's what happened. And it was, it was reflective of where the legislature is. There's, the votes are not there for a judicial activist. And I, I did tell some of the folks who were asking, I said, look, if the, if the Supreme Court had not done what it did on the heartbeat bill the first week of January, I, I think Justice Con, Judge Conduras would have won. I don't think Judge Hill would have won if it had been the first, if we had had the election before that. That changed the ballgame. I think very few people, including most of us on the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, didn't realize how activist the court had become, how to the left the court had gone. And uh, when Judge Hearn and Judge Few wrote the opinion that they did and basically decided to be a super legislature on policy decisions related to pro-life issues, that changed the ballgame. And so I, I really believe that you know God ultimately is the sovereignty of God here, but I, I told Judge Hill, I said, you know, really – you got to be. You kind of have to look at your election. Think, had the events of the first week of January not transpired, it would have been very hard to win. And uh, and God and His providence, I saw it, saw fit to put Judge Hill in the court in that regard, and that's what happened. That decision came down at just the right time for Judge Hill, just the wrong time for Judge Conduras, and then ultimately it gives us a chance in the legislature to revisit the entire issue of judicial elections and try to revamp the system. It's very broken. Uh, it is very, very broken. We've got to do something about it. And I think the decision on heartbeat really galvanized support for judicial reform in the Senate. I think you're absolutely right. I think when, when the decision came down from the South Carolina Supreme Court to basically say, you know, we are going to overturn the will of the legislature and basically say it doesn't matter if you have a heartbeat in the state of South Carolina. We are not going to protect your life. That was a huge statement, and it is a place where we have to start looking at people's ideology and the way they're going to choose to look at the difference between uh, the, the balance of power in, in South Carolina and what the General Assembly's responsibilities are. Senator, we've got a couple more minutes before we have to take a break. What else do we have going on? I know you all spent a lot of time yesterday in the Senate talking about school choice. Is that going to be moving forward as we get further into 
the legislative calendar? Yeah, I think you're going to see a school choice bill pass the Senate again. You know, last year we came very close in South Carolina for ESA scholarships, education savings accounts, which would have provided some limited school choice. I think we're going to go further this year. Uh, based on the debate yesterday, Senator Davis and Buford and I worked closely together to uh, craft an amendment regarding the PACE scholarships to really expand school choice beyond just ESA scholarships to really make it a true statewide school choice, public-private school choice program. And, you know, I, I wasn't sure going into session this week whether we'd be able to get there on pace. Now, now I'm confident we will. So I, mean, I think there's still some tweaking that's going to be done. But you're going to see coming out of the Senate for the first time in, you know, 30 years, a, a serious overhaul of education. I think you're going to see for the first time in South Carolina history a, a substantial public-private school choice package that is going to be transformative in terms of education and give parents a real choice. And, and, and I think that's going to be important. I, I feel like one of the big issues on people's minds is, is parental rights and making sure the parents raise their kids, not the government. I think the steps we took this week in the Senate, as long as the House concurs with our actions, uh, ultimately we'll do that. It's going to put, put parents in charge. It's going to uh, severely open, severely change the the status quo and the teachers' unions running things, and it's going to give us a true public-private school choice that I think will lift outcomes for every student and provide, frankly, from a faith perspective, a greater voice for people of faith in South Carolina's education system, which will be transformative and important. I think you're absolutely right. Senator Josh Kimbrell, senator out of Spartanburg County, you know, you have done a phenomenal job in these first your first two years of the legislature pushing forward on some big things. Major tax overhaul. You worked with Senator Peeler to 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 do the first major tax reduction in South Carolina history, the the return of more than a billion dollars back to the South Carolina taxpayers. These are the types of things that I think people, especially people in your district, people across South Carolina are going, this is why we elect leaders to go to Columbia to make these types of conservative decisions. And that's a big thing that you found with, you know, Senator Kimberlin, the work that you've been doing. So we appreciate that so much, Senator. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, look, I, I, when I got elected, I decided you never know how long you're going to be here, and you go for it. Swing for the fences, because uh, we've, we've got we've got a lot of opportunities in this state, but I care very much about preserving the culture of the state, and I always promised I would do that. However long I'm here, I'm going to do that. Whether people, you know, whether my colleagues like it or not, I, don't, I, I want to get along with my colleagues, and I do my best to do that, but I have a pretty aggressive agenda I want to push, and I'm going to push it. Senator Josh Kimbrell, Senator out of Spartanburg, South Carolina, major leader in the South Carolina Senate. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We look forward to talking with you again in a few weeks. Thank you so much, Senator. Well, thank you, guys. Appreciate what y'all do at Palmetto Family. Take care. Dr. Tony Beam does not have the rockin' pneumonia nor the boogie-woogie blues. He is in Washington, D.C., Marching for life. I tell you what, last year if you were in Washington, D.C., oh. you'd have been having the walking pneumonia. <laughs> My bones were cold last so year. So last year, so Justin Good and gracious. Mitch go up for the March for Life. It was apparently, Jeez. was it cold last year? It was tender. Uh, we it woke was, up in our hotel room It was a, uh, every day. Uh, there's a, there a wise statement that you never start <laughs> recapping your day by saying, I woke up, because that's how every day has started Everyone since the wake, beginning of well. man. So uh, suddenly, I was awake. And... I looked outside, and if you ever looked out a window and just seen the cold, you, like you, you know, actually you saw see cold. the cold, yes. and, and, and the, the Washington Monument was, and it didn't even look frozen like over, and it, and and so it was ten degrees for a high walking down, um, walking toward the Capitol building, wind chill six. 
but just were, just so that you know that right now in our stop in our nation's yeah. capital, if you step outside in the upstate of South Carolina this morning, that's exactly <clears throat> how it feels right now in our nation's capital at a nice balmy forty eight degrees with fifty five percent relative humidity. Yeah, that's a one percent chance of precipitation. You only need three layers for that kind of weather. That's a look around the country. Here's what's happening in In your your neck neck of the the woods. woods. (laughs) I will say, to your point about it being warmer in Washington this year for Dr. Beam, and of course, that would happen. The Lord would shine His grace upon him. I'll have to I'll have to talk to Dr. Beam about that when I see him again. But you know what I will say to you, continuing to bring up the weather, how it is in Washington now yes. compared to then. How dare you? How dare <laughs> you? you? Grab the climate is changing. Real quick, heard, before we get to I heard local, she got arrested. Uh, well, quote unquote arrested. She uh, was, was protesting she? outside house? of it. No, oh, no, sorry. she wouldn't dare. She would. They have gas stoves. No, um, <laughs> and good she was arrested omelets. in a Germ- at, in Germany. Uh, is that important? Tunberg. Greta okay. Thunberg. Okay. She was released by German police on Tuesday evening. When was after she arrested? Being detained earlier in the day. Oh, she didn't even spend the night. Is this like an AOC arrest? Oh, yes, or? at a protest over a coal mine in the western village of Lutzerath. Police confirmed. Can you say that in English? L- Lutzerath. Oh, okay, thank uh, you. She, she, I guess, where she went after she got released from German prison. Waffle quote House, unquote. Where'd she go? No, she wouldn't go there. They have gas stoves. She went to Davos. Davos. Oh, oh she did not. How she and Schwab. How did she get to Davos? Truly, I begin to wonder. Um, did she fly? She, te- she teleported because she's better at life than you. She was oh. traveling in a van with no name. And that's, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, that, is, that is my Greta Thunberg uh, reference for the day. I told Dave that I really wanted to work in Greta Thunberg as best as I can and be nice to her because, well, now she's an adult, so we don't have to necessarily pull punches. Hey. But it's best to be nice to her because she's a wayward child and doesn't know what she's doing. Gene, but if you thought we were going fast a minute ago, we're about to ratchet up the speed. We're we just going co- from Greta Thunberg, whatever, easy for you to say. Yeah, we're, we're going from Greta Thunberg in Germany and in Davos. Let's go from Davos. Let's track the arrow down to South Carolina. Richland, we're too? Gonna, we're going we're gonna to bring it to our neck of the woods. Oh, I'll wrap it back around Al Roker. And... Um, Talk about what's happening inside two school districts inside Richland County. Now, Richland County is a very large county, but only has two school districts, uh, Richland School District 1 and Richland School District 2. And if um, – let me not say that. It's good that, to have a filter mechanism. Um, Richland 1 yes. is having to, having to deal with a fiscal – F-I-S-C-A-L – fiscal audit right. ordered by the state government including the governor and the attorney general. So they're dealing with their own issues so there there's some, with there's money. Some, there's some money issues. Because P-cards are a problem. People are using their P-cards, which is procurement cards, procurement credit cards, to purchase things that aren't necessarily necessary for instruction of children. The cost per pupil at Richland 1 is insane. Richland School District 2, and if you want it, I'm telling you, if you love a good fiery school board meeting, Richland 2 was fiery school board meetings before fiery school board meetings were cool. Um... But their superintendent, Dr. Baron Davis, Got is not community leader mm-hmm. by all regards, no longer the superintendent. After a marathon executive session, he has been. Uh, he re- did he resign? He, did, he, 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 he was he, resigned. He was resigned. He was resigned. <laughs> this is like the football coach comes into the office and the AD says, you know. Maybe you should look for other opportunities. No, I like it here. No, you should, should look, look for, for other, other opportunities. opportunities. <laughs> yeah. So I guess he was basically told by the Richland Two School Board. It's not you. 
It's, it's us. us. So so how how does this how does Dear something Baron. like this happen? It happened because there were new members of the Richland Two School Board that were elected back in November. Correct. I mean some serious bona fide conservatives. Bona fide conservatives. Yes. Who said we are going to go on the school board. We're going to get active. We're going to do something. We're looking at you, Angela Nash. <laughs> the, the, the same thing happened, though, in Charleston County. Mm-hmm. It happened in Berkeley County, mm-hmm. where you saw school boards flip. Yes. Major impact of school boards flipping. Now, we say this all the time, and you're hearing it from us for the first time. The government that is closest to you. Affects you the most. Exactly. is the one that has the biggest impact on you, especially on your wallet because you have to keep in mind schools in South Carolina not only account for nearly half of the state's budget but they count for the majority of your property taxes Hmm. if you take a look at the property tax bill that you received from the county last year listed on there Mm -hmm. are the funds that go to the schools and that is a significantly large amount of the money that you pay in property taxes, whether you're in Lexington County, Richland County, Greenville, Spartanburg, one, two, three, four, five, or six, uh, over (laughs) in Pickens, over in Anderson. And that's why they always argue about the millage rate. Right, exactly. Because we are looking at a time period right now that we are wondering how in the world are we going to make some massive changes. Senator Kimbrell talked about that just a minute ago. What are we going to do when it comes to school choice? What are we going to do that allows parents to take responsibility and have the freedom of choice for their children when it comes Uh, to their education? uh, Dave, that seems anti-public education. That seems like you're being very anti-teacher, anti-history. I'm going to go back to what Senator Jim DeMint said one time. The purpose of public education is to have an educated Educated public. public. And if you do not have an educated public, then whatever system it is that did not provide you with an educated public has failed. And so it is time for us folks to recognize this. And I know that there are school board elections that are going to be going on in Spartanburg. There are probably some that are going to be going on here. So at Palmetto Family, and this is the team, we're part of the Palmetto Family team, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast we do twice a week. If you're not listening to our podcast, it is the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. We are on the air twice a week talking about the issues, why they matter, what the Bible says about them, and most importantly, what you can do about it. So, quick little background here. I'm going to do a quick little Sunday school lesson in 30 seconds. Jethro, father-in-law of Moses, decides that he's going to go visit his son-in-law along with taking his daughter and his two kids to go see them in the desert. While he's there, he he sees the line of people lining up to Moses, and he says, what are you doing? This is the Dave Revised version. And he's like, you can't handle all of this. You need to divide the decision-making up among a group of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens, like a federal, state, local, and, and county government. And as you do that, it begins to help you to spread the responsibilities. It was That was Exodus 18. It was not until Exodus 20, that God gave the law so that the people on the local areas, the smallest down to the people who are responsible for groups of tens, could actually do the job and have the rules, the the law, as God had defined it to apply. So as you look at the world around you and you look at things as being hopeless and you feel helpless, if you're looking at the national stage, slow down, look local, pay attention to the races that are happening right 
near you, whether it's your county council, whether it's your school board, whether it's your local sheriff. These are the these are the elections and these are the people who will influence you and affect you the most. So if you feel helpless as you look at the national scene, stop, pause, take a breath and look to local elections and then local governing bodies to influence your vote matters. Your voice matters. You must be present to win. Show up, make a difference, and carry your faith, the light and love of Jesus Christ with you everywhere you go. As reflectors on the guardrail, as people of love and faith and compassion, grace and truth, carry Jesus to the world around you. And that's the place where your part in what goes on within your community is so vitally, vitally important. You cannot just sit by and go, oh, well, that's somebody else's problem. Oh, I don't have kids in the schools anymore. Guess what? The kids that are in the schools today are also the ones that are going to be bagging your groceries in a few years. They're going to be the ones who are going to be running the businesses in a few years. They're going to be the ones who become the elected leaders in a few years. And if they don't have a civic-minded biblical worldview, one that says, you know, the Constitution matters, how we look at things matters, how am I going to be moving forward in the way that I think and the things that I do, what kind of viewpoint am I going to be coming from, or am I just going to accept the next thing that gets thrown at me? That's where it really matters. So it matters for you, it matters for your family, it matters for your children, it matters for their children, Because reality is, folks, it is so important that you are active and involved in what goes on in the community that you live in. And that's why we do what we do. Every single day. Every single day. In the State House or on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. But we appreciate Dr. Tony Beam allowing us to... just sort of fill in for him. Can't really you do can't it. Really you can't fill those shoes. Appreciate uh, Gary keeping us on track and keeping me on track and it's keeping us within time and having great bumpers the last two days. It's been fantastic. This has been fun. It has been a lot of fun. It makes it makes the drive up from Columbia to Greenville not so bad. <laughs> Listen, if you want to learn more about what we do, go to palmettofamily.org. Download the app, Palmetto Family app on your smartphone or check out the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Y'all have a great weekend. Tony Beats back on Monday.